listening to a message from Park Springs Bible Church, located in Arlington, Texas, where we discover life in the power of God's grace and share His life-changing grace with others. Join us as we hear from the Word. Good morning. It is good to be with you this morning and to share from the Word of God. Uh, You can go ahead and make your way over to the book of Luke, where we have been journeying together this Christmas season. We will continue on. Uh, So to kind of catch us up a little bit on the past couple of weeks, um, so far in the Gospel of Luke, we have had uh, two surprise pregnancy announcements. Um, And they have revealed that at this point in history, God is doing something significant in the people of Israel once again. So our first pregnancy announcement we had came to uh, a man named Zechariah who served as a priest in the temple and to his wife Elizabeth. And the Bible tells us that they were righteous people who had placed their hope in God, but they had reached old age without ever having children. And so while Zechariah was performing his duties uh, in the temple, an angel appeared to him and told him that he was going to have a son in his old age and that God was going to use his child to do something significant for the people of Israel to turn many hearts back to God and to prepare the way for the Messiah. And so that was a surprise pregnancy announcement number one to two people who had waited long and had probably given up hope of ever being parents. And then surprise pregnancy announcement number two came to a young woman named Mary who said uh, that she was betrothed, but she had never participated in the prerequisite activity to produce a child. And so this was another significant surprise going on that God was doing, and he was doing something significant. And to Mary, he said, you will name your son Jesus, for he will save the people from their sins, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. So that's kind of where we are just in the story as it has unfolded in Luke's gospel that uh, both of these um, uh, families, um, uh, this couple and then this individual named Mary and her betrothed Joseph have just been informed that something significant is happening with their two pregnancies, that the work of God is taking place. And so if you remember in in our passage last week, within uh, Mary receiving this news, uh, the angel also told her about the pregnancy announcement of Elizabeth because they were cousins. And so he he announced to her that, hey, also uh, your cousin Elizabeth, who although she is advanced in years, she is also pregnant and this is the work of God. So we got that uh, a little bit of announcement last week. Um, which is, I, I think, just also a, a gift from the Lord to Mary that there can be some, some confirmation and affirmation a, about the things the angel announced, that she can verify some of these facts because something miraculous had happened to someone else as well. So that is where we're going to pick up our story this morning in Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 39. This is what it says. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leapt in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. 
And blessed is, is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. And so this is the first part of our story this morning, that when these two cousins greet each other, something significant happens, that the Spirit of God comes upon Elizabeth, and in this recognition of what is taking place in Mary's life, and she begins to prophesy. And you see this all throughout the scriptures, that when the presence of God shows up in this tangible way, people begin to proclaim things that are true that they shouldn't have been able to know in and of themselves. And so that's what takes place with Elizabeth right here, that it says just when Mary greeted her. Now, Mary had been informed that Elizabeth was pregnant and that God was doing something significant in that pregnancy, but that wasn't part of the declaration that Elizabeth had received. So in this greeting, uh, both the unborn baby John in her womb and Elizabeth herself, God reveals something to them in this moment, and Elizabeth begins to prophesy, saying in incredible things of, oh my goodness, something significant is happening, like, blessed are you, Mary, because what God has placed in your womb is going to have this significant impact on the whole world. And not only that, like, she feels blessed because she's been counted worthy to just even receive um, the, the, the mother of her Lord. And so it kind of, it reminds me uh, of the interaction uh, Jesus has later in his ministry with Peter when he's asking them in Matthew 16, like, hey, who do people say that I am? And when Peter declares, like, you are the Christ, you are the son of the living God, Jesus makes this statement. He says, blessed are you, Peter, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And so we, we get this interaction right here between these two women, and we, we get this pronouncement by Elizabeth of uh, the significance of what has taken place in Mary's life, that she is both carrying the Christ, and then she also pronounces this blessing upon Mary, that blessed are you who believe the Lord, who had faith in the Lord. And so what is uh, going to transpire in both Elizabeth's declaration and what we're going to see in Mary's declaration that is about to follow is really a, a masterclass in how we should all respond to being aware of the work of God. Because one of the things that uh, just is very poignant to me in both what Elizabeth says and in what Mary says is that both of them begin to contrast the favor that they have received with God that was beyond what their position deserved. And so you already hear that right there with Elizabeth. In verse 43, she said, Why is this granted to me that I should receive the mother of my Lord? She recognizes that um, what God has bestowed upon her life is way beyond what she ever deserved, which is, in fact, the gospel. That is all of us. The gospel is a contrast in the favor we have received from God that is beyond what our position deserved. And so as she is exclaiming and prophesying uh, this fact that is worthy and true of worth saying amen on, uh, the focus of what Elizabeth is declaring is that uh, the glory of God is always revealed in the care he shows for his people. And so if you just take this story of Elizabeth, not only has God granted her a child in her old age, which she probably had given up hope on, but she also recognizes how privileged she is 
that she gets to encounter the Christ. And so there is this just complete recognition on how glory, uh, God's glory is revealed in his care for his people, that she is um, being able to behold both of those factors, that her, her, her child that is coming into this world is a miracle, a work of God completely. And not only is she going to be able to have a baby, but God has already, uh, you know, pronounced upon her own child that there is going to be a significance to his life, that he's going to be a prophet like that of Elijah, which is uh, one of the most prominent figures in all of the uh, Judaic faith, that he's going to have the Spirit of God rest upon him, and he's going to turn many people back to God. And you, you would think for Zechariah and Elizabeth, that would be uh, such an incredible blessing to know that their child not only is going to walk with the Lord, but is going to walk with the Lord like the prophets of old. That there is this significance God is going to do on his life. And in showing his care for his people, that he's going to begin uh, proclaiming to them once again. He's going to begin to fulfill the promises. But one of the things Elizabeth recognizes is that not only uh, is she able to have this child in her old age, but she gets to encounter the Messiah. That as Mary comes into her home and God reveals what he is doing right in this moment in history, she is one of thousands and thousands and thousands that have waited for generations and generations and generations for God to send his promised one. And she was chosen to be able to partake in that moment. And she is cognizant of the blessing God has put on her that is far beyond what her position deserved. And that is one of those things we should all recognize in our own lives whenever God does do a work around us. And we, when we are cognizant of it, like, oh my gosh, God did this thing. Like, thank you, Lord, for blessing me far beyond what my position deserved. And so Elizabeth has proclaimed and prophesied and recognized that something significant is happening and then Mary does the same. The presence of God is in this moment. Verse 46. Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed, for he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name, and his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his offspring forever." And Mary remained with her about three months and returned to her home. We have remembered collectively this song, this hymn of praise that Mary sings in response to what God has done. And so traditionally, we, we give these terms to passages of Scripture at different points. And this one we just call the Magnificant, which is just the Latin for that first word of Mary's declaration. She said, my soul magnifies the Lord. What an incredible just like sentence to let rest on us this morning. Her soul magnifies the Lord. Her soul makes much of 
God. As we are walking through this Christmas season, it would be good for us to ask, what is our soul magnifying? What currently in your life are you making much of? What is your soul exalting? What are you praising? What are you taking joy in? What are you celebrating? What are you confessing as good? What are you proclaiming to the world around you? Does your soul magnify the Lord? And then as uh, Mary continues this praise, this, this hymn of celebration to God, recognizing the significance of what he has done, that she rejoices in God, her Savior. And because in the same way that Elizabeth recognized it, and she recognized it, it is beyond what she deserves. And that's what she says in verse 48, that he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. And this, this is what she recognizes in what God has done. She says, from now on, the generations will call me blessed, that anybody who hears about the story of Mary will recognize that she did not deserve the privilege of what God has done, and therefore she is blessed. All the generations will call her blessed. It reminds me of Psalm 32, where it says, blessed is the man whose sins have been forgiven. The generations will call me blessed. And the generations will call all of us blessed because what God promised through Abraham is that all nations would be blessed through his offspring, meaning the promised Savior, the promised Jesus. And so there is this just radical recognition of her position in contrast to the incredible favor God has bestowed upon her. And in fact, I would say, you know, just as you read those verses about what God has done, that it would be impossible to recognize fully the work of God around you if you did not have a position of humility already in your heart. And this is how she is remembering and recognizing how significant God is, that it's not just in her position, in her story, but what he has been doing throughout all of history as she begins to echo these proclamations about God that we see throughout the scriptures, that he has shown strength with his arm, he has scattered the proud, he has brought down the mighty, he has exalted those of humble estate, he has filled the hungry with good things. You know, if it has uh, been a while in your own life since you might be able to answer the question, does your soul magnify the Lord? Or if you have uh, been looking around at your life and you have been unable to see the hand or work of God around you, you might just be able to ask yourself the question, if you have a posture of humility, is everything taking place in your life based off your own work or a recognition that God is at work around you. You have to be in a humble position to recognize that God is up to something to begin with. And so I love these declarations Mary is, is singing or proclaiming and, and just testifying to the goodness of God that it does have these echoes throughout all of the scriptures and it, it reads very much like our Old Testament Psalms. And, and in fact, Mary is basically just quoting all these different aspects of Old Testament scripture. And so you can, you can just tell that the Spirit is heavy on her in this declaration, this recognition of what God is doing. And, and so you get these different hymns that take place in the New Testament that do mirror these Old Testament promises because we know that every promise of God does find its yes and amen in Jesus. 
And so there's echoes of what Mary is saying in, in 1 Samuel um, when a, a, another woman gets a surprise pregnancy announcement in, in Hannah who had uh, prayed over and over again for God to grant her a child. And when God finally did miraculously grant her a child, she gave that child back up for the service of the Lord. And Hannah proclaims this hymn. And you, you hear these, this similar language that both Hannah uses and now Mary is proclaiming because both of them are recipients of the work of God in their life. And so you just read um, um, these proclamations and it does uh, just resonate of the Psalms. And so one of the things I love about the scriptures is that if we uh, are in a position of humility and we do magnify the Lord, if we would look at our life and just see the, the fingerprints of what God has done for us over and over and over again in his faithfulness to us, one of the things the scriptures do is give us a language for praise so that we can actually proclaim the goodness of what God has done. That if you're trying to articulate all the ways you feel blessed by God, the scriptures give you the language. And that's what Mary is doing. Is she is quoting psalm after psalm after psalm. There's about 30 different psalms that you could cross-reference and find similar language about how God has been faithful to his people, faithful to save over and over and over again. And so this morning, I do want to give us some language of praise for our own lives. And so just receive the word of the Lord. Psalm 34, 2. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Psalm 69, 30. I will praise the name of God with a song. I will magnify him with thanksgiving. Psalm 138, 6. For though the Lord is high, he regards the lowly, but the haughty he knows from afar. Psalm 72, 17. May his name endure forever. His fame continue as long as the sun. May people be blessed in him. All nations call him blessed. Psalm 89, 9. O Lord, God of hosts, who is mighty as you are with your faithfulness all around you. Psalm 71, 19. Your righteousness, O God, reaches the high heavens. You who have done great things, O God, who is like you. Does your soul magnify the Lord, church? As you are uh, participating in the busyness of the holiday season, are you uh, recognizing how God has blessed your life far beyond what your position deserves? Both of these women have received incredible news and the focus of their lives is turned to the good things God has done. Is this us? Is this our lives? When we have had and received goodness from God, have we returned it in praise to our Savior? I think one of the aspects of really letting the gospel sink into our hearts and into our lives is just the question of when we have received the goodness of God and how we should all respond is, why me? Why would God look at my life and bestow his blessing in the way that he has? As Elizabeth said, and who am I that it was granted to me to receive the mother of my Lord? And Mary said, he looked on the humble estate of his servant and from now on all generations will call me blessed. That's in, embedded in our understanding of the gospel is just this question of when we are in this position of being able to recognize how God has significantly worked in our lives, 
We ask the question, you know, why me? I want to share a video with you all this morning. Uh, A couple of months back, I I stumbled upon this on the Twitters, uh, and it really struck with me. Um, You know, as I live my own personal life in, in, in journeying with Jesus, um, it's, it's, it's easy even as a pastor for things to just grow a little stale. You, you do get kind of used to it. I, I spend every week in the church. I, I spend every day in the Word. And, and, and there are times I just know that my heart grows a little cold towards the things of God. And so uh, this video um, really just meant a lot to me when I, when I heard it. And I texted it around to a couple of people just because it, it stirred something in my soul. So it's, I've kind of had it in my back pocket of at some point it's going to make its way into a sermon. So I want to share it with you. It's, it's a bit long, uh, but it shares a, a story. So I just encourage you to, to stick with it and just uh, listen uh, to the story of how, how God has worked in a, in a person's life. And then I'll wrap us up. We'll get the audio on in just a second. Do we need to move on, team? I'm out of jokes. (laughs) Well, if I give you the payoff, then it starts. I'll reenact it. Okay, we're going to move on. Trust me, it was really good. <laughs> I'll link it on, on the church Facebook page, and so y'all can watch that. Um, the long and short of it is a, the story of, of a guy who has lost everything, but has Jesus. And his response 
he's asked what he is going to ask God when he gets to heaven, and his response is, why me? Why would you look at me? Why would you choose me? And I was just really struck by the fact that that should be all of our position. Because I, I do think that it is Elizabeth's position, and I do think it is Mary's position. And, you know, the, the story itself wouldn't really seem like a, a, a Christmas story. But when it, when it comes to the fact that God came to our world, that God chose us as his people, that Christmas reveals the incarnation of our Lord— Every single one of us should ask the question, why me? Because it is all about Jesus. So like so many others have asked before us, and what, and what we should be asking ourselves, the why me question, it can be answered very simply. Because God loves you. So this, this advent, this arrival, is a testament to God's love, as we already read and heard this morning, that for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. The incarnation, the Christmas story, the arrival of Jesus is a testament to the fact that God loves you. And so if you have ever asked that question out of humility, wondering why God would choose you, or if you ever have asked that question out of doubt, struggling with if God has chosen you, remember that that is the answer as revealed in Jesus. God loves you. Would you pray with me? Father in heaven, we thank you that your love has been revealed in, in so many different ways, God, but I would say most significantly in the fact that you, that you came, that you looked on the disarray of your world, you looked on the mess of our lives, and you entered into it. Not only that, as the scripture says, you came not to be served as the God you are and what you deserve, God, but you came to serve us. You came in humble estate, And then you gave us your life so that we could experience what life is all about. God, help us to remember this Christmas season that you have given us far more than our position ever deserved. God, and I pray that for all of us as we um, are with our families, as we work our jobs, as we live in our neighborhoods, God, that our, our souls would magnify you because you looked on our helpless estate and showed your love for us in that Jesus came. God, we thank you for the incarnation, for your presence in our lives. I pray this all in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen. Would you stand up to your feet? Let's respond in worship.